Welcome home, my fellow creatives, and welcome to a place where all can come to talk out the innermost difficulties of our artistic endeavors. For any first-time guests who have found their way into this humble abode, it is our hope that you would take a seat, see if this house can serve as a refuge for you, too. This weekly conversation of ours is open to creatives of every kind. Our mission? to talk about the issues that inhibit us through the lens of tough love so that we may heal as humans and thereafter use wholeness as the source of our inspiration. For all those returning to the table for another conversation, welcome back. Hope you've remembered your snacks, your coffee, and even a tissue or two, because today we're talking about imposter syndrome. Have you ever felt like you're not good enough, whatever that means, to be classified as an artist? If you have ever deemed your own skills and passions as inconsequential or, God forbid, invalid, based on the credentials and accomplishments of another, congratulations, you too have experienced imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is a metaphorical condition born from comparison. Have you ever looked at what another artist has produced and believe that because your own work cannot, in your mind, measure up to theirs, you do not deserve to be considered an artist like them? That, my friends, is the epidemic we plan to tackle today. We feel that we are imposters, pretending to be competent artists, but are not actually competent or artistic because we see someone else as superior to ourselves. That inferiority, therefore, disqualifies us in our own minds. This affects everyone, not just us starving artists attempting to make some semblance of a name for ourselves. The most famous celebrities of our day, from Viola Davis to Lady Gaga, have admitted to doubting themselves. Did you ever hear Tom Hanks' interview about a hologram for the king? Back in 2016, Hanks said that, no matter what we've done, there comes a point where you think, how did I get here? When are they going to discover that I am in fact a fraud and take everything away from me? If this phenomena affects even high society, then we cannot hope to cure it with success. The question then becomes, why does this happen, and how do we overcome it? While I am no certified psychologist, I can still take an educated stab as to what convinces our gullible brains that we are, in fact, phonies. The reason we refuse to believe that we could be anything beyond abysmal is twofold. We undervalue our own work, while simultaneously overvaluing others' work. Picture the scales of justice. You have a machine that measures and compares the weight of two distinct objects. No matter the perceived worth of those items, all that matters to the machine is their weight. The problem? We, as the scales, need repairs. Anything we place opposite of our own work automatically outweighs its counterpart because we do not correctly perceive either party's innate weight. But where did this disproportionate perception spawn from? Origin or not, no one can debate the effect that living a filtered life has had on our minds. If you're a millennial like me, a Gen Zer judging me, or a Gen Xer asking me how to work this newfangled technology, you're all too familiar with how social media has infiltrated our culture. And that includes our discernment. I cannot be the only one who has scrolled through my Instagram feed and stared longingly at these supposedly perfect posts and their effortlessly talented creators. After all, when I dare to post anything halfway decent, I know all it has entailed. I had to dress well, 
find a scenic venue, arrange the angle, take the photo, and multiple times at that, edit its settings, pretend I know how to write a quirky caption, and work up the courage to hit the share button. All for one measly post. In our minds, the effort that brought our work to fruition disqualifies its quality. But Jake, you cry, if my content got as much attention as other creators did, then this doubt would disappear. That logic sure seems sound, doesn't it? It's simple, really. Easy, even. But the truth is rarely so cut and dry. And the truth is that success only exacerbates these symptoms. Don't take my word for it. The American Psychological Association not only confirmed Tom Hanks's aforementioned assertion that even the illustrious suffer from insecurity, but that achievements earned after torturing oneself internally can actually perpetuate a cycle that correlates affliction with accomplishment. Thus, we become judge and jailer all at once. Our brains are baneful beasts. Did you know that the National Science Foundation discovered that 80% of our daily thoughts, which amount to 6,200 thoughts according to psychologists at the Queen's University of Kingston, Canada, are negative. For those who prefer to forego math at every possible opportunity, that is a whopping 4,960 disparaging considerations that we process day after day after day. No wonder we doubt ourselves, we are drowning in self-inflicted dejection. If we hold any hope of shifting the scales, we must pursue mental repositioning despite our internal programming. I won't lie, it will be an uphill battle. But humans have scaled the highest mountain in existence. You can climb the one your fear has fabricated. To ascend that hill, however, we need the proper tools. That begs the question, how do we mend our dismantled judgment? Well, a two-part problem demands a twofold response. Step one, stop demonizing ourselves without deifying ourselves. Step two, stop glorifying others without vilifying others. One step at a time though, yeah? First up, we better sort out our self-evaluations. If our brains march to the beat of dum dum dum, then we need to be smart about setting a new tempo. Believe it or not, we've already been equipped with the key to combating the brain. Our tongues. We all love to flap our lips, myself included, but how often do we purpose to utilize this inherent superpower of ours? In my faith, we believe that the tongue holds the power of life and death. God passed down a portion of his strength so that we might resist despair. Let's say you don't share my spirituality. That's all right. Science itself confirms the concept. See, there's this theory about self-affirmation. It posits that consistent proclamations about one's worth allow us to view information that once threatened us as valuable. You know why? Because positivity improves the pathways in our brain and amplifies the systems and activities therein. What have you spoken over your creations and over their creator? that will give your brain a break. If you're like me, you might be coming up empty on an answer. It's not hard to. We're not exactly trained to talk well about ourselves. That would be prideful, now wouldn't it? But there's a difference between arrogance and confidence. 
Arrogance steps on others to ascend an unsteady tower. Confidence stands firm despite its temporary position because its value is inherent and eternal. An arrogant artist diminishes others' techniques, styles, and interests so as to elevate their own. A confident artist, however, can create without heed or need of others' successes or failures, and amplify the diversified strength of a united creative community. Why? Because to the confident, this is community, not competition. Should we establish confidence and fend off arrogance at every turn, we will greet our reflection with delight, for it was wrought from worthiness itself. But we must be wary. Keep focusing on ourselves, and the scales will shift so drastically as to need a whole different set of adjustments. It is all too simple to slip into oversaturated self-indulgence and justify it through our past inferiority complex. But no matter what pain we have experienced prior, it does not excuse any present-day troublemaking. So, how do we equalize our concentration? We must aim to attain self-value, not self-esteem. Don't know the difference? Neither did I. Self-esteem dictates that, because you are above me, I must raise myself up and drag you down under me in order to be at peace. Self-value, however, determines that, regardless of social standing, economic status, or any other viable factor, I am irrevocably loved and valid. And so are you. And so is every star that you've watched from afar with reverence. Our society already accentuates a hierarchy. Why don't we learn to restructure it instead? I have an idea how, but you'll need to humor me for a moment. A metaphor might paint a better picture of what I mean. My fellow gamers out there will know that adventurers come in all shapes and sizes. These aren't just different races or classes, but rankings too. There are level 10 heroes and level 100 heroes. If you're listening to this, you would likely consider yourself a level 10 like me, looking on in awe as our 100th tier counterparts slay dragons and save damsels. In comparison, our part in protecting the local town from a vindictive troll could seem inconsequential in comparison. If you're basing the significance of an action on its personal reward rather than on its communal impact. Sure, preserving a kingdom comes with some sweet perks while the thoroughly trolled townspeople might only have a meal to spare as thanks, but did you provide this world with a person it needed in that moment? Yes, you did. Then that quite settles the matter of your importance, now doesn't it? Let's put that into practice with our artwork. Did your story captivate a downtrodden friend? Did your drawing bring beauty into a world ridden with ugliness? Did your meal fill the apartment with an aroma that left your roommate salivating? Did your song stir emotions from deep within a guarded heart? Did your stream speak kindness to those who have known none? Congratulations. You are an impactor, not an imposter. Even if you believe no one has been touched by your work, you can never say for sure. The ripple effect we leave on people is too often unacknowledged, but it is never absent. This imprint is important, even if invisible to you. Always remember, my friends, to keep this confidence in hand. 
and humility in the other. Especially when we begin to deconstruct the idealized versions of others we ourselves have sculpted. It's time for step two, making humans out of our heroes. Remember that filtered life we mentioned? Let's revisit that thought. The internet has provided us with a one-way window into the lives of the influential. However, this window is not omniscient. We snag a glimpse of the infamous either as they triumph or as they fall. Neither end of this spectrum reveals the truth of their identity, yet we accept these sites as gospel. And like every faithful disciple, we craft them into idols, only to crucify them upon discovering their inevitable fallibility. So how do we avoid this exaltation? Determined to represent them as what they are, first and foremost. As humans. Humans who are allowed to flourish and to fail. Humans with emotions and mindsets, dreams and desires, traumas and terrors. Humans like you and I. And humanity was not made to be worshipped. How many celebrities must suffer a public scandal before we believe it to be true? Better to grasp a hold of the lessons they offer and allot them the same grace we overextend to ourselves. Our level-divided heroes could perfectly depict this dilemma. To us level 10s, we could marvel at the miracles performed by the level 100 heroes. But if we let our attention be drawn to adventures elsewhere, we will miss the opportunities for heroism in our own hometown. So just focus on what's in front of us, right? Well, it's not that easy. See, our hearts, they don't like to change. It's too much work, too much pain, too much to admit there's something wrong with us. So rather than recenter ourselves, we eliminate distractions. And thus, the desecration starts. It's no secret that we're all masters at the blame game. It's human nature to pawn off responsibility. One way to win? Envy your enemy. If we permit jealousy to overstay its welcome, we can justify stripping our superiors of their merits so as to prevent ourselves from suffering feelings of invalidation or distraction. Has anyone else ever traveled down this rabbit hole? You watch a movie, read a book, play a game, and suddenly, it hits you. My art doesn't look like that. My music doesn't sound like that. My characters don't act like that. But, but that's okay, they don't need to. Honestly, I'm bored, I'm tired, I'm frustrated with only seeing art like this. Art that's not like mine. The way I do it is important too. We should stop praising the standard and start paying attention to the unique. And by unique, I mean me. Listen, there's no shame in our hyperactive defense mechanisms. I'm as guilty of their utilization as anyone else. But should we use them to down anyone who has ever ascended to the heights we ourselves long to reach, would we not too be dooming our future selves? And when the dragons descend once more to destroy the kingdom, who will be left to defend us? It is then when we would discover that we ought to have learned from our forerunners instead of lessening their importance. That's not to say the small, the subverted, the distinct is insignificant. But think of it like this. If us level 10s abandoned the troll to take on the dragon, our ill-equipped parties would meet in early grave. 
and so too would the town we were meant to defend. If we insisted that the level 100s ought to care just as much about this small village, they would rescue the town shortly before the whole kingdom was burnt to the ground by the dragon they ditched. You see, we each have our own roles to play at specific parts of the story. Do not determine your worth based on others' roles. Determine it by whether or not you are fulfilling the role you are meant to play in this moment to the best of your ability. You, me, those listening along with you across the world, we make up the homestead. And homes have many rooms, don't they? All different ones with their own shapes and styles and sizes, not to mention usages. One might resemble a minimalistic office, and another could be cramped with books from floor to ceiling. One might be painted in a rainbow of color, and another be naught but exposed brick and grayscale decor. Are any of these better, objectively speaking? Or do they each fit the purposes and preferences of whoever is meant to occupy them? That is the beauty of a home, and of those who dwell within one. Like these rooms, we are meant to occupy certain places in life. Sometimes we stay in that room forever. Other times we might shack up in a shabby apartment before we can move to the master suite. But the bathroom doesn't tell the foyer it needs a toilet. The bedroom better not be wishing it were a kitchen. And you don't need to be telling yourself or anyone else to redecorate. My mother raised me to believe in a distinct ideology. All is level at the foot of the cross. In layman's terms, all people, regardless of what they were born into or what they have done since conception, are equal in the eyes of our king. And so too should they be in ours. When I remind myself of that moral stance, both internal depreciation and external elevation dissipate and place me alongside of all others in our world, white and black and Asian, gay and straight and trans, poor and rich and charitable, saint and sinner and those swimming in between. We might not be equal in accomplishments. We might not be equal in talents, but we are equal in significance. And so the scales balance themselves once more. So, here's what I want you to do. Yes, you have homework, and while you won't be graded, the progress you make on a personal level will prove well enough whether you heeded these suggestions or not. This week, find the words you need to hear. Not the ones you want, the ones you need. They could be, let's see, uh, you are worth loving. You have talent ingrained in your being. Your worth does not come from your work. Or even, today, I will choose to love myself regardless of the validation I do or do not receive elsewhere. Repeat them to yourself when first you awake and before you re-enter dreamland. Whenever you catch yourself making a self-deprecating joke, speak it again. Should a stray, disparaging thought come to light, disprove it with this spoken truth. Sure, it'll take longer than a week to turn around entirely, but a ship doesn't change its course until you start turning the wheel and we've drifted far from our destination by now. Best to start charting a new way, before the tides take a turn for the worse. And the other assignment? Consider someone you admire, someone you may have made an idol of without realizing it. 
strip off all the fancy coatings and the glossy paints that you gussy them up with, and speak the same affirmations over them. Even if they never hear your words, they need someone to believe in them, not in what they produce, just as much as we do. I hope this tough love talk was worth your time. And if my words can't help you, well, then I sure hope they heal whoever you pass them on to. Next week, we're tackling a topic that goes hand in hand with this one, the difference between success and significance. It would do us all well to dwell on what our role is as artists in this world of ours before then. Consider what level of hero you are and who you can help by embracing that fact. Even if, for right now, it's only yourself. But let's table that talk until next week, shall we? If you stuck around for the entire talk and think you might like to come back, why not click that fancy follow button on Spotify or the subscribe button and bell on YouTube so that I save you a spot when I set the table. Until that time comes, may the road before you be abundant in adventure, inspiration, and encouragement. Should the path grow dark, stay kind and seek light. If all else fails, always remember, there's a place here to welcome you home when the world outside has made you weary.